You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 68 called Creating Effective Virtual PD for Teachers. In this episode, we'll share some of the things that we've learned over the past several months when it comes to creating and sharing PD for teachers in our new virtual world. Stay tuned to hear some of our top tips and our favorite new ed tech that is worth sharing. This is one episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. So episode 68, uh, I'm really excited about this uh, episode just because one, we've been doing a lot of professional development lately. And two, this is kind of a reflection of all the professional development that we've done lately and how we can incorporate this into our own school and kind of make it an informal professional development that any teacher can go visit at any point in time throughout the school year. Yeah, it's funny how after all these years of making PD, we must have presented, I don't know how many hundreds of hours of stuff. And it's we're like still learning. Still like just yesterday, we were doing a presentation virtually for somebody. We'll talk about it in a second. But I feel like I learned and thought about so many new things just in that time uh, that I've never really thought about before. Or you have thought about, but there's just sort of crystallizing and becoming a little bit more concrete. And I guess that's sort of what this episode is all about, right? Am I, uh, is that sort of how you feel about this whole thing too? Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just another way of giving back and hopefully not adding too much more work to uh, really what we're trying to accomplish. I mean, our, our goal here is to get teachers, give teachers best practices or how to's or, you know, just a whole bunch of tools that they could use and, kind of look at this whenever they have time throughout the school year. And the beauty around this is it could keep growing all year long. It doesn't have to stay the same five videos up there all year long. It could be, uh, you know, it might start off with two or three videos and then every once in a while someone adds something new and it's an ongoing list and people can go revisit those things. And I think that's super important here. And maybe, who knows, after people watch the videos, there might be a continued dialogue, a little bit of Q&A that you might be able to start meeting in person to expand on these best practices. Yeah, so we'll get get into those tips a little more deeply and much more uh, when we start the episode officially in segment two. But before we get into all the details, I just want to announce a couple things. We have lots of stuff right now for Got Tech, the podcast that we'll be sharing. But two, right off the bat, if you're listening live the the week that we release this particular episode you'll be you'll have time to check out the dino progressive learning conference dino plc thursday september 24th uh, we recorded a, a session there on uh, flipped learning in particular our flipped flops uh, that we've been working on with our uh, our buddy kyle nemus of classroom q so you can register for that and check out they, they have stuff all week long so i think each day is basically a new keynote and i'm i believe we're heading up thursday's uh sessions but you, you register you can watch our video it is a pre-record but there's some live interaction that's going on there via Twitter and other avenues. 
we've been involved with some dino stuff for a while now. They do a great job. So I would highly, highly recommend that. Besides, you can check out some of our other projects. Um, it's also free and that's always super nice. Here's another free activity. Uh, our very own Flip Flops YouTube series. We're still publishing these. I think we're wrapping it up soon, but within the next couple of weeks, you can be expecting our final new episodes. Uh, these are all on YouTube. You can find them just by going to YouTube and searching Treefish EDU. You'll see us pop up there and please subscribe if you do that. Also there on that page, you'll see all of our prior Flipped Flops videos. This is where me, Geis, and Kyle Nemus, who I previously mentioned, uh, we talk about the ways that we messed up flipped learning so that you guys don't have to make those same mistakes. Um, you can also find all this on treefishedu.com. Yeah, the best thing about the Flip Flops is the fact that it's relevant for now. This works in a remote setting, it works in a hybrid setting, and it works when we're back to normal in the classrooms as well. So this is something where we just give you little chunks of information that you can keep in mind and work on throughout the uh, school year as you start to implement and incorporate flipped learning into your everyday practice. So if you like what you hear with Got Tech the Podcast, do us a couple favors. Uh, subscribe to Got Tech the Podcast on all the major podcast platforms. Go over to our YouTube channel. Nick and I started uh, publishing a one uh, video piece uh, every week on a tip, uh, ed tech tool or a practice that you can consider these are little chunked videos. They're just a couple minutes long. Make sure you go check those out. I think uh, a lot of those will help you out and give you those little pieces of information that might save you a little bit of time. Uh, the other thing is, is you can follow us on social media. We got teched or Nick at Nick got teched or me at guys got tech. Um, let us know that you're listening. Share our podcast with your friends. And if you are up to it, write us an Apple podcast review. It helps us out a lot. Uh, before we get into segment number two, uh, we just want to give a shout out to podcast uh, friend and he's in our PLN and he's a big part of our PLN. Bruce Reicher and his publication of his new book, Scripted, An Educator's Guide to Media in the Classroom. This is my next book up on my nightstand. I've read maybe 12 in the last three months, so that's pretty good. But Scripted will be, you know, it's one that I've been looking forward to. And Bruce, congratulations again. I know you're a co-author on this, but keep doing the good work. Uh, keep it up, and we look forward to reflecting and maybe talking about your book on a future podcast. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTeched. So let's get into it. We do a lot of stuff on the show. Most of it is centered around, as a teacher, what can you do to make your classroom more engaging for your students? Activities, templates, you guys know how it works here on the show. Um, but every once in a while, we sort of take a step back because there's there's a way that we think we can have a broader effect, and that is by helping out or helping teachers uh, assisting other teachers. And, and in that way, I think you're still impacting student learning because you can share and that's kind of what the podcast itself is, right? You can share stuff with other teachers and then that sort of trickles down and, and a lot more students can have access to these cool things. Uh, so that's kind of what today's episode is all about. We also know a lot of our listeners are in some role uh, tech coaches, maybe officially, and that's one of your jobs at your school, uh, maybe even just unofficially, maybe every once in a while your principal taps you to make a tutorial to send out to staff. Um, maybe this is something you do a lot more often. Maybe you're planning your own uh, unconference as we 
speak or just planning to, or it's something you've thought about and you're starting to gather ideas. And this can be the moment where that comes together for you. Essentially, what we're talking about here is planning effective virtual PD, but this time for teachers specifically. I know Geist and I have been doing a ton of it, and we sort of referenced this earlier at the top of the show. Uh, we've just learned a lot, and we thought it might be cool to bring that together in an episode and, and share out some of these tips. So that's essentially what we're going to be doing for you guys today. And I'll, I'll kick it off. I know one of the things that, that I've kind of really started taking seriously recently more than ever is sort of taking the same approach to teacher PD as you do for student lessons, content lessons in your class. And this is something that we've always talked about because as a teacher, when you present, let's talk about an in-person presentation, you get up and you talk for an hour. It's like the typical amount of time, sometimes longer. And we do that often while preaching to never, ever do that in front of your students. Uh, so you have these guys is laughing because we just did, came across this yesterday. You would never talk for an hour straight to your students. And yes, teachers are adults. Our attention spans ideally are a little bit longer, but are they really? Does anybody actually want to sit there for that hour? Um, we do and we can, but it's it's definitely not the most enjoyable way to do it. So I'll start off by saying that if you're putting together PD for teachers, the stuff that works really well is keeping it small, um, just little bite-sized snippets. Just like I would for my students, a two to five minute video maximum, push that out. It just has much more of an impact than it would to spend 45 minutes recording yourself explaining, I don't know, 50 different tips. You're going to lose people. And then people, even if they watch the whole thing, they may not pick up on all that stuff. So starting small, if you're putting together, say, like a list or like a series of videos, maybe for sort of like a an unconference style thing, just gather whatever you can. Tap other people around you. Give them that same direction uh, to keep these things short and, uh, and sweet, but kind of tap other people and just build that collection of videos uh, so you've got it. And then that can slowly sort of, uh, you know, roll together and you can push out a nice collection for staff or publicly or whatever you want to do. So let me just hop in uh, real quick. And I love what you're saying with keeping it short and all that. A lot of times teachers want one of two different PDs there. They either want to follow along and do as you do. So you're modeling it. They do it. But you're still chunking that in the small segments. You're you're modeling something, you're giving them time. You're modeling something, you're giving them time, which is awesome. But what we need to consider here is that we need to empower our teachers. We have skilled teachers. We have we have teachers that have done some awesome stuff over the last nine months, eight months, you know, working remotely, working hybrid, working in person. So what we need to do is tap into those resources. And the way that we do this is going to be there's a way that you could do it to be successful and a way that you could do it to not be as successful when trying to bring these things together. If you talk to a teacher and you empower them, more they'll be more than likely to come through. Whereas if you just ask them to make a 10-minute video and whatever they want to do, that's not really a great way of doing it. If you tell them that, hey, you know, so-and-so told me of this that you've done in class. Is there any way that you can just record yourself on Zoom while you're doing that lesson? All right. And then the tech coach can chop it up if they want, or or you can just play it as is if it's short. But if you empower them, if you say that they're doing a nice job and you, you're specific about your intentions there and what you want done, and you say that I want to use you as an example because you're doing great things, they're more than likely to step up there. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I know that you have a couple other points, but that 
really just hit home and I wanted to make sure that we threw that out there. Yeah. So that, that's, I think, important to mention. And it kind of builds off of uh, the first thing I mentioned there. So you're putting together this collection of resources, starting small, right? Gathering what you can and using your colleagues and empowering them. I think it goes a long way, uh, especially if it's somebody that you know, might not always be the one to get asked to prepare something. If you go say, hey, I noticed you were using... I don't know, later we're going to talk about Jamboard and you say, I noticed you were using Jamboard the other day. You think you could maybe screencast your next virtual class using that and maybe I could include it as part of this uh, video resource collection I'm putting together. It goes a long way and you might open up a whole new avenue for that teacher that they w wouldn't have even thought about before. So that's important and it, it makes your work a lot easier too because then you've got people helping you out. So uh, we're doing all that stuff. Video tips for these videos that you're making, videos that are coming in from other teachers. I've already gotten into this a little bit, keeping those videos short. We want to do that whenever possible. Uh, I also already, already mentioned single topics per video um, so that people can kind of pick and choose almost like playlist style, like you would push a playlist of content or options out to your students. Do the same thing with teachers. And, you know, you can use whatever you want for that. Google Doc is probably the easiest thing, but post it on a Google site. Tons of options there. Uh, something that we've done a lot of recently is, you know, it's nice for people to watch you on a video um, talking. Maybe you've got a slide deck, right, presenting something and it's, you, it's your voice. Maybe you're being screencasted as you narrate these slides. Well, a lot of teachers like to have access to that slide deck uh, that you're actually talking through so they can maybe look at it on their own computers. Maybe you've built that slide deck, especially if you're using Google Slides. Maybe you've built it so it is meant to be interactive and you want your listeners to listen to you narrate it, but also have it so they can click on whatever links you've included there. So you, a good idea for this is to make sure you have a link to that slide content in the slide presentation itself. The, a good way to do this, I mean, you can, you don't want to copy paste the entire, if it is a Google doc or something, you don't want to put that whole URL, but you can of course shorten it um, with like a bit.ly and you get that nice customizable bit.ly link or tiny URLs, another popular way to do it. I guess you could even throw a QR code up there, but um, that might be a little bit more work and maybe easier just to put the link just because you know that everybody knows how to work that, but maybe do both. You got your bit.ly link QR code if people want to use their phones so that they can scan it, get access to your materials and listen to you talk. I think that's a really cool way. It also kind of feels more interactive and you, that's something you lose with the virtual content. Uh, so that's one of our favorite new things to do. Also feedback. You can't have that question and answer session necessarily if it's a pre-recorded session of you talking about something. Uh, so you can still put a link to a feedback form at the end. We typically just do this with Google Forms because it's so quick and easy. But if you wanted to get fancier, you could use any of those uh, digital feedback forms like SurveyMonkey or there's a, there's a ton of them out there. Uh, but that's always great. And sometimes we'll even tie in, I don't know, free giveaways. So you tell people that you can enter to win this if they fill out the form or at the end of the form, maybe it releases a link for access to some, I don't know, template you've put together, something like that, just to get people excited and give them a reason to go through that. So I know that's a lot of stuff there, but hopefully it makes sense. And hopefully that'll help help any putting together a, a list of uh, 
video resource uh, like this. All right, so Nick and I, we, we kind of sat down and we want to start this, this whole thing at our school. So what we're going to do is we're going to start with each of us making three videos. And we were very specific as to what our intentions are here and what types of videos that we're making. But we want to make uh, best practice videos, we want to make how-to videos and tool introductory videos. So best practice, for example, my, my first one is Jamboard. This is something I will be completely honest and say I did not like it prior to March 2020. I, I looked at it and I was like, no, this isn't for me. I'm not using this. Um, I just thought it was clunky. I thought I could do everything I wanted to do in slides. But in March, when we went remote, then I revisited it for the remote learning purpose. And you know what? I'm glad that I did. Uh, Kim Matina also told me, you know, you don't know what you're missing. And she did this way before. I mean, way before remote learning. But, you know, Jamboard, if you think of it, it's like a interactive whiteboard meets Google Slides. And it's the best of both worlds. So I really like Jamboard. And... Uh, for my video, what I'm doing is I'm explaining Jamboard, just as that an interactive whiteboard uh, meets Google Slides. And then I'm going to show an activity that I'm using in my AP Bio class right now. And we're doing a lab on Chi-squared and M&Ms. So I'm gonna show that. I'm gonna show the directions for it. So I got my, what it is. I'll show the directions for that lab. And then when the students are all done, I'm gonna show what they created. And then I'm gonna explain how we used it in class based on you know, what they created. And that's giving them everything they need right there. Maybe at the end, I show them a little bit about Jamboard and how to use it, or I could even put that at the beginning. But what I'm shooting for is a five to 10 minute video. And that's it. You know, if it's less than five minutes and it gets the job done, that's awesome. And and what I'm doing there is kind of, that brings up my next one, which is a tech tool, all right? In our district, we need to have a professional picture linked to our Google account or to our websites. So a lot of teachers, they have nice pictures. They're not professionally done. The background might be them in their classroom or standing in front of a tree. But if we want to clean up that background and just have it be a solid background, how do we do that? And I'm going to do like a uh, creating a pro website picture using remove.bg. And you could do the whole professional picture in there. It removes the background. You could add a solid background and we share that out. That's probably going to be a minute and a half tops, two minutes. So that would be my second one. And my last one, I love gamifying my classroom. So a lot of times, you know, we use GimKit, we use uh, Kahoot, Quizzes, Quizzalize, Quizlet. I guess those are the top five. Yep. But every once in a while, I like to use Google Sheets. And I like to customize the cells and, and format the cells. So, you know, when the students type in an answer, it will tell them right away by changing the cell a certain color whether they got the correct answer. So I'm going to do one on that. And I happen to tie that into my escape the rooms. So we'll put links to, uh, to as many of these examples or our videos to these uh, in the show notes. But those are my three. And, you know, out of all three of them, Jamboard's five to 10 minutes, Google Sheets for formative assessment, five minutes tops, and creating a pro uh, website picture with Remove BG is two minutes tops. 
So we're talking about little clips here. Nick, you want to go over some of yours? Yeah, I will. But before I, I do that, I, I'll just uh, kind of second one of those selections. If you guys haven't checked out, this is now separate from planning the PD, but I just want to sort of say how great this is. Remove.bg is one of the coolest tools. Uh, we've been talking a lot since probably uh, maybe all summer long even. Uh, tech tools that do one thing but do it really, really super well. Those are always our favorite here on the show. Remove.bg is like the perfect example that um, used to be, you know, if you wanted to have a, a transparent background with, you know, and sort of separate out some image in the foreground, what we're talking about here is doing that with your your face, right, for a professional photo. You had to get on Photoshop or at least learn some other sort of pretty intense technology. Remove.bg, it is insane how well it cleans up the background and leaves just this nice sharp image around typically you or your face in the foreground. It's so awesome. Um, so definitely check that out and just play around with it. And there's lots of cool ways you can use that too to help make your own presentation presentations for class just look neater because those transparent background images are always the best to use for any anything you're putting together. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, but yeah, for so for our sort of like sample digital conference, those are Geist's three things. I put three together too uh, that I think I would like to put together some videos on. And one of those is just sort of the incredible versatility of Google Slides. Because uh, I think, I guess the theme with my choices here is sharing things that teachers kind of know about, but don't fully, like they aren't fully aware of all of the capabilities. And I don't know if there's a better example of that than Google Slides. Uh, we've both picked this in the past is like if you could share one Google tool, slides would be the tool because it's almost like everything in one. One of my favorite things with slides that I've been sharing a lot is that you can change uh, the size of the slide. So you think about a slide as like a thing that fits your computer screen, right? But it doesn't have to be. You can set a Google slide or even PowerPoint does this to be eight and a half by 11. You can make it look like a standard worksheet and then all your slides are just a series of worksheets and you can edit them up that way. And that opens up all kinds of doors because now you've got what just looks like a piece of paper, like a Google doc, but without the limitations of word processing. And you can drop in images and text boxes and set background images, all kinds of stuff. Um, and it's just a really cool, fun thing to play around with. And if you're doing that, you have to check out. And in this video, I would have to throw in uh, slidesmania.com. We, we bring it up all the time and this is, we probably will keep bringing it up because it's just so cool that they put together. It's a, it's a resource of template slides or slide templates for Google slides and PowerPoint. Uh, from the teacher side, they have, it's, they're starting to pull in, uh, different games, things, slides where you can click. One of, one of our favorites is like a filing cabinet where you click on the drawer to the file cabinet and it takes you to a new slide uh, where that drawer is open and it's like a way to access different docs and it's just sort of like these cool interactive experiences all built off of the slides presentation and it's just something I don't think a lot of people even know about. So slides mania, we're spreading the word big time. We love it. So that'd be my first one. Second one, screencasting tips. I don't want to get into the screencasting tools. I think these days everybody knows you've got Screencastify as the top choice. There's some other players like Loom and Screencast-O-Matic out there, but I think it's time now that most people are familiar with these things uh, to go over some of the things that you can do with them, uh, some of the more advanced features. Uh, recently, I was creating uh, some tutorials for staff uh, that had some student names in there 
and maybe personal information like grades, classes, address, phone number. Obviously, you can't share that out. Well, a lot of these tools offer, and at Screencast-O-Matic is, is my favorite for this, but um, options to blur out certain pieces of, of that video slide. Uh, so if you're you know putting together this tutorial for teachers, you can show that, make a video of how to make a video, which sounds crazy, but these are important things. Uh, Screencastify actually just over the past couple months uh, is adding more and more editing features. And one of those is the uh, the zoom in or the highlight feature um, where you can click or designate an area of the screen or uh, of the video. And it automatically zooms in on that, which is so cool. And it helps, you know, if you're building something for your class, then it helps your students focus on that region. If it's for other teachers, then it's great to sort of give them a close-up look at a link they have to click or something they have to do. Um, so, you know, blurring, highlighting, these are all cool things. And then also reminding that a lot of these tools are good for us to use, but they're also good for students to use. I like, uh, for its simplicity, Screencastify as a way for my students to do assignments. So instead of just, you know, type out your answer on this Google Doc, guys, and submit it to me, I can say, uh, record your, record a screencast of yourself going over how to solve this problem. Uh, it's way more interactive. It gives me a much better look at what they're understanding and what they're not understanding because they've got to talk about it. It's still low pressure because they don't have to do it sort of one-on-one. -on -one. It's a way for them to collect their thoughts, put together something polished and send it in. Um, so that's something else that I would probably share in like a screencasting tips video for teachers. So that's my second one. And then my last one would be, and this is going to be tough to keep it in that short time limit that we were talking about before, but almost like a, like a scattershot version of the EdTech tool throwdown that we do, where if you haven't seen it before, Geis and I will sort of go back and forth and he presents his top EdTech I present my top ed tech and and we let the listeners vote. I think it'd be cool to do that for like a small teacher PD version where, okay, five minutes, Nick gets five minutes and it's just boom, 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 as many cool things as you possibly can share out. And then maybe guys, you get your own second video of your top, whatever, 10 things, five minutes, blast those out there. You know, they should be quick little things that don't require a whole lot of description, but just um, let teachers know about as much as you possibly can um, within that. And I think that'd make sort of a, at least a fun video for people to watch that's a little bit more engaging. I'm going to hop in because you you just said a whole lot of good stuff here. First of <laughs> all, slides made, you know, if you ever got asked the question, if there were someone or something in education that you had to be on an island and share a cup of coffee, I would definitely choose Paula to sit down and pick her brain on how she comes up with half of these awesome ideas. Um, but we, we do love Slides Mania. But the screencasting, you know, you could do a video on all the little tools that no one knows about. You know, the, all the un, unsung heroes or all the gems within that tool. And then a separate video would be that student assignment one. And right there you have two videos that are probably under five minutes a piece, maybe under three minutes a piece. As far as the EdTech throwdown, there's no reason why we can't do that on a micro scale. You said five minutes, but really we could both pick a topic. And we did this with our EdTech Battle Royale in our first uh, year of the podcast, right. which I kind of missed because I'm pretty sure I was up like 12 nothing. I'm not <laughs> sure. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, for the EdTech throwdown, there's there's two that we, we have done. And I think you can, do you want to go over where they can find those? Yeah, so maybe a good example of what we're talking about. We have two other upcoming opportunities that will sort of model 
this uh, EdTech tool throwdown. Uh, one of them is the Art Educators of New Jersey Conference 2020. You have to register for that. And we have the link in our show notes if you want to check it out. Uh, it's Saturday, October 24th. Uh, it is a, a live event. I'm not sure what they're doing with the content after. Maybe that's going to be shared publicly, but definitely want to register for it uh, just to guarantee that you've got access to all this stuff. But we put together a pre-recorded session where we do just that. Now, it's longer form, right? We talked for maybe 30, 45 minutes, I think. But just as a snapshot of the kind of thing we're talking about, where you sort of are going back and forth and, and hitting people with as much as you possibly can. So that's one one example. And you can find a, the similar presentation. Um, and this one is live currently. It's the New Jersey Department of Education Virtual Professional Learning Resource page. Uh, they pretty much just gathered as much and are continuing to gather as much as they possibly can from teachers uh, in New Jersey to share uh, just to sort of help each other out with uh, you know so many of the schools that are fully remote or hybrid and so much of the stuff that's on there. Like you said at the beginning, it works anywhere. Uh, but we, you, if you do that, you'll see that we have a presentation there too, sort of in this ed tech throwdown style, uh, just so you guys can get a sense. Yeah. So I think that pretty much wraps it up for the ed tech throwdown. Did we miss anything? Do you think with our list of uh, tips for teachers creating PD for teachers? Yeah, I think we probably missed some stuff, but hopefully people <laughs> will uh, let us know what we missed and then we'll be able to add to our list. So um, make sure that you're following along with us on our website, uh, www www.gottech.com and also reach out on Twitter. We love to grow our PLN and, you know, share things and, and work back and forth with people and just try to have us all work together to make a better situation for our students and teachers out there. So until next time, check out our website, reach out to us and, uh, you know, stay safe, everybody. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geis and I individually at Geis Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.